Finishing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I have no say. I'm the lead Democrat, so this is all up to the Republican side. I can't say everything's truthful. I don't know. The committee is going to want to bend over backwards to make it clear that they really want to hear from her, that her story must be told and she must be heard. And so I suspect they'll keep that date open for a couple more days. What's happening here is we're living in an atmosphere in which if a woman comes forward and makes an allegation, the, the burden of proof is on the defendant, uh, uh, the, the acu- uh, is on the accused. And that is, nobody's saying that exactly outright, but that's the subtext of all these comments. We have a country where to assimilate, you have to speak English. We have to have assimilation. To have a country, we have to have assimilation. I'm not the first one to say this, Dana. We've had many people over the years, for many, many years, saying the same thing. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. I am so glad to be with you. I I just, yeah, wow, what a day. What a 24-hour period we've had watching as... Um, I I had a good friend of mine just today, just like less than a half an hour ago, compare watching the Democrats execute this latest hit job, their classic playbook hit job execution on Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Watching them execute it is like going back through and watching old Star Wars videos or old Star Trek. Remember the original Star Trek television series where they literally had like the, the monsters were it was a suit that a human being put on and you could tell that it was a suit. And, you know, we all just played along because that's what technology was back then. That's what watching this hit job is like. It's like someone has brought out the oldest tech uh, available and they're not even attempting to pass it off as CGI or the latest technology. This classic hit job on Justice Kavanaugh amounts to, it's not just a last-ditch effort or a Hail Mary. Those terms give too much respect to what we're seeing here. This is literally just kind of like, throw your hands in the air. We've thrown everything but the kitchen sink. Now we're going to hurl the actual kitchen sink and see if that puts a dent in our target. And so the ridiculousness has reached a, a kind of epic fever pitch because now we're talking about investigating on something that's not a crime, which you cannot investigate something that's not a crime. That, that Thank God for our Anglo-Saxon system of jurisprudence here. Our, our, our criminal justice system actually precludes this, precludes this type of nonsense from going on. But it doesn't mean the media can't still hold this story up as something important. Meanwhile, the accuser of Keith Ellison, he's the number two man at the Democratic National Committee, a very powerful individual, his accuser, the woman who has submitted audio from 911 tapes, she's now brought forward a uh, doctor's letter that summarizes her injuries. And all of that comes forward and not a peep from the Democrats. No calls for an investigation. She's saying her party's letting her down because she's a Democrat. That's what's so funny about this. The Me Too movement, for all of its power and supposed uh, you know, fantasticness that people keep attributing to it, The Me Too movement does not even come close to having the kind of rigid finality and adherence to law that our justice system has. And it's flawed. Of course it is. It has human beings running it. But uh, can can we just acknowledge that an accusation does not mean automatic guilt? Well, I guess not if you're a white man. 
And so if you're in the audience and you're not a white man, you should be outraged by that because anytime one sector of our society is held up to a different standard of proof than the rest of us, it's a, it will be to the rest of us because our turn will come. White men are not automatically guilty of sexual assault just because a woman accuses them. And I don't care what political party the woman is from. Credible allegations should be investigated. But if someone waits until the statute of limitations has passed, what exactly are we supposed to do? Destroy the man anyway? Just travel down that road for a moment in your mind and, and see where it takes you. It's not a good place. I refuse to bow down to that God of convenience, that idea that some people are more worthy than others. That idea went out in the last century and we should leave it there. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty. The presumption of innocence is something that is unique to our culture. And it's one of the reasons why people will get here by hook or by crook to get that citizenship because they want their natural born rights enshrined in a constitution that is protected under the force of the will of the people. So Judge Kavanaugh is innocent. They keep talking about this case against him. What case? No charges have been filed. In order for there to be a case, charges must be filed. So we're going to get to that and more today on the program. We have Karen Strahan. She's a spokesperson for the Men's Rights Edmonton. She's a contributor to avoiceformen.com. She's going to be exploring Norm McDonald's comments about uh, the Me Too movement. And this is important for us to discuss, people. We, it, when, when you're waging a war against people who like to redefine what the, matter, what, what the definition of the word is, is you have to know your stuff. And I love when we are able to, you know, catch experts and have them on the program to inform us. And she's an expert and thought leader in in the men's rights movement. And then we're also going to be speaking with um, our second guest for today, Dr. Laurel Shaler, counselor, author, speaker and professor at Liberty University, the Liberty University. It's such an honor to have her as a frequent guest on the show. She also is going to join in to give her perspective on the accusations against Judge Kavanaugh how to combat sexual harassment, and how to combat and defend against assault claims, and how women deal with sexual abuse, and how to detect the truth. Important stuff. So we're going to have that. And then throughout the program, we're going to be just hearing from different corners on this entire thing. We have a couple of topics as well. Um, nearly half of the people who reside in the most populous, top, top five most populous cities in the entire country don't speak English at home. A record 67 million individuals in this country. When they're at home, they speak another language. Now, I've already had someone come at me the last time I was talking about this. Well, why is that a problem? It just means they're recent immigrants. It means they're immigrating too fast for them to assimilate. That's what the problem is. So it's not about me not wanting people here. It's about wanting to have our immigration system adhere to a role of assimilation that puts assimilation at pretty much at the top of the heap. We got to have that as a primary goal of our immigration. If we're not assimilating people, what are they coming here for? To turn America into some other place? We should all be against that. And then we are also going to discuss breaking news, fantastic breaking news. North Korea has agreed to permanently dismantle their main nuclear complex. Something's changed. Something is afoot. So we'll discuss that as well. So right now I want to talk or listen to, um, this is kind of a revelation from last night, Diane Feinstein, she, she's admitting that Judge Kavanaugh's allegations 
might the, the allegations against Judge Kavanaugh might not all be true. And, the, and this is like, again, how the worm turns. It's just ridiculous. Uh, we just we're galloping to keep up with it. It's crazy. It's number four. And my colleague Doug McElway and I both spoke, uh, both spoke with the same source in the past hour, a person who has spoken with Judge Kavanaugh since all of this news broke, this person claiming that Kavanaugh does not know who Christine Blasey Ford is, that even the women who Kavanaugh socialized with knew of her and went to school with her, it's because they went to school with her, but Kavanaugh went to Georgetown Prep, which is an all-boys school, and thereby uh, buttressing the allegation that he does not know who this person is. Uh, we are also told that uh, it's expected that in the next few days, and this might not necessarily come from Kavanaugh, but from other people, that significant gaps in this timeline may be filled in. The suggestion that other people who knew her and maybe knew of this alleged incident uh, would come forward and fill in some of the gaps. Meantime, in the Senate, they're trying to figure out what to do, how to proceed going forward. Senator Charles Grassley of Iowa, who's the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, has said that he wants to have a hearing on Monday at which both Ford and Kavanaugh would appear, and only those two. He suggested that Ford would likely go first, followed by Kavanaugh. But the Democrats are saying, well, wait a minute, we want other people to be heard as well. And Senator Susan Collins of Maine went so far as to suggest that perhaps the way that this hearing should unfold is that an attorney for Christine Blasey Ford should question Kavanaugh, and then an attorney for the judge should in turn question Ford, and then the senators get to ask their questions. And that all sounds well and good, but why in the world are we even doing that? You know, I just, it's from when he was, he was 17 or 18, and she was 15, and not one opportunity has she utilized to go to the justice system. Her preferred method of adjudicating this is to destroy his character without any proof, to basically just bring forward her allegation and anyone who claims they might have remembered. That's why the statute of limitations exists, because our memories blur over time. And that's just if you even have a fantastic memory. Let's can we just all admit for one just one quick second, you know, all, all the flowery language. And, you know, we, we like to think of ourselves as being extra capable, even at things that we completely have no knowledge based on. They've done studies about that where they'll ask people <laughs> questions about a subject that they have no nothing about. And the people will assume that because they've heard of it before, they have some knowledge and they'll begin to share. And as the person who's asking begins to ask leading questions, the person will eventually, at the, by the end of the conversation, they sound almost like they're an expert. When in the beginning, they'll say, oh, I have a limited knowledge of that subject. That's a tendency we all have as humans. So it just, just right out the gate, we all do that. Now, we all also think we remember things completely accurately with utter clarity when we really don't which is why the statute of limitations exists so that you can't have a nightmare one night and connect that to something that happened to you a long time ago. And the one thing that happened wasn't a crime, but what happened to you in the nightmare was a crime. And all of a sudden you got people going to jail left and right for things you dreamed about. And it's all well and good when it's just women in the Me Too movement accusing men. But what about when they ratchet that up and say, you know, black people should be able to get retribution for things that might have happened in high school we all have had a bully or two in our lives from back in the day 
Can you imagine the mayhem if everyone who had something bad happen to them in high school was able to kind of remember it and then bring it forward as an accusation against some person that they haven't seen in 25 or 30 years? And, and it's true. Some people are just, they're just demons in high school and they should have been treated to uh, kind of the, the, whatever the rules were at that time. In other words, they should have been maybe expelled or maybe had detention or maybe, you know, whatever the case might be. But is that, is that the new standard now? If, if Christine Ford's incident from high school when she was 15 that she can't even really remember well is up for adjudication now that the person she's accusing is 53 years old, then I think we all have a bone to pick from somebody from high school. Is that where we want to go? Someone might come forward and say Christine Blasey Ford was mean to her or him in high school. I mean, we've heard the allegations about what she was like when she was in high school. These are reportedly admissions from her own mouth about how many partners she had before she'd even graduated and all of that. I mean, it was pretty, pretty, it's it's pretty crazy. Do we want all of that to be, uh, you know, so all we'll do in this country is just sit around and investigate allegations from high school. I, I'm, I, for one, am one of those people that if someone said, I'll give you a million dollars in U.S. currency, transferable the day, so four years from today, all you have to do is do 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade over again. I would say keep your money. You couldn't pay me any amount of money to go through high school again. And I think that's a lot of people feel that way. There are, there are a lot of people who feel high school was fantastic. They enjoyed it. It was some of the best years of their life. And, you know, God bless you. A fantastic. Not for me. And the last thing I would want done is even even though I still have some what I consider to be pretty, pretty fresh memories from that time frame. And I could still remember some of the things that I went through that teachers didn't do anything to help me out. And, and I was just like, I can't believe this is this is high school. This is the way people treat each other. But I survived and lived to you know, go on to another day. Praise God. But if this is our new reality, then buckle up, Christine. I'm sure there are some people who are sitting at home right now thinking to themselves, Christine Blasey Ford. She went to what high school? I think I remember her. I, for one, don't want to be in that world. I prefer this one. As, as flawed as it is, I prefer to be here where you're innocent until proven guilty and Period. That's it. When we get back, we're going to have Karen Strawn, spokesperson for the men's rights, Edmonton. Stay there. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, the very first day in Israel, when we're staying in Jerusalem, we go to the Mount of Olives. And it's there at the Mount of Olives we look out over the old city of Jerusalem. It's a spectacular sight. You've seen it in pictures before, but it's another thing to actually be there as we walk down from the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane and we pray there. It's going to be a wonderful time with brothers and sisters from around the country visiting the Holy Land, the land of Jesus. If you want information on this March 14th through the 22nd tour, just call us and we'll send you a brochure. Call 1-800-FAMILIES, F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, option five, and leave us your name and your address and we'll mail you a brochure. Or if you want to simply go online at twholyland.com, everything's there, twholyland.com. 
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. One evening some years back, I watched an interview with a former professional basketball superstar. He was asked whether, if he made a comeback, he would be afraid of some of the younger, more aggressive players who would be out to prove a point. In his unique way, the former player responded, and I quote, You know, I don't whistle when I walk by a graveyard, and there's no chicken in my heart. <laughs> in other words, he was saying, I'm not going to let their challenge be the source of fear. As I sat there and chuckled at his homespun eloquence, I thought to myself, as Christians, we shouldn't let the enemy's challenge be a source of fear either. We shouldn't give our enemies, especially the devil, the gift of our fear. Yet I find all across the country, that's what many of us do. Listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Since then the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Did you hear that? Christ's death put to death the devil's death. <laughs> we don't need to fear anything, not even death itself. You don't need to be intimidated by the devil. Certainly in our own strength, we are no match, but my Bible tells me our lives are hidden in Christ and God. In order for Satan to get to you, he would have to come past Jesus. Here's what I want you to remember today. Satan and death are defeated enemies. We will live forever in God's presence. You know, we don't have to whistle when we walk by a graveyard. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Join Crawford tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here today. Um, I head over to my Instagram account. You can see some photos that I took from yesterday where we're doing a little bit of documentary shooting here in the state of Missouri. It was actually kind of far away when it was getting that done at um, a technical school in another part of the state in Missouri. And I'm so excited about this project. I can't wait until it rolls out. And um, I'm really looking forward to sharing more about that. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Karen Strawn. And I think I'm pronouncing her name out. She'll have to correct me. Karen Strawn, spokesperson for the Men's Rights Edmonton. She's a contributor to avoiceformen.com. Karen, do I have your last name right? <laughs> you do. You do. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I've been chomping at the bit to talk to you this week about this subject because we, we scheduled you last week and I had no idea that this whole thing was going to be like a thing, which is this Kavanaugh, the, the accuser, the, the backstory with her and her parents actually having been in the courtroom before, uh, you know, his mom, cause she's a judge. And then all of the accusations that are being made, people are transitioning their language from he's been accused of to the case against him, which is completely inaccurate because you can't file and prosecute a case that has passed the limp, the, the, uh, the statute of limitations. And not only that, right. she doesn't even have a straight story to, to, to even share with us. Like we're just sitting around listening to the story keeps changing and her motivations keep changing. And now she said, she's not going to testify before the Senate judiciary panel, which she should be willing to do if she wants to be taken seriously. 
Agreed, agreed. You know, like, honestly, uh, you have to wonder why, the, you know, because this letter apparently was in the possession of, of uh, uh, who was it, Feinstein? Yeah, yeah. Um, for quite a while. And uh, and I, I, I really don't want to accuse the Democrats of doing anything cynical or duplicitous, um, but, uh, or insinuate that, but, you know, bringing it out, uh, after the hearings had been concluded, um, right before the midterms, that that just it it smells a little fishy. It smells like they might just and then this woman saying, "Well, I'm not going to testify until the FBI investigates my allegations." That can't possibly be investigated because they're 36 years old. Um, you know, these these are allegations uh, with one other witness who's already said, "Yeah, it didn't happen." Mm. Um, who, how are they going to investigate that? For an allegation from 36 years ago, she can't even she can't even pinpoint the exact year it happened, um, or where it happened, or how she got there, or how she got home, or anything like that. Uh, it's so vague. How can it be investigated? But she's saying, "Oh, I'm not going to testify until after it's been investigated by the FBI." Now the FBI has already said that they don't they're not interested in investigating it because it's it's old. They can't do anything regardless. And, and there and was it's no an crime. impossible case to investigate. Yeah, well, it's not a federal crime. What she just what she has described is not a federal crime, which is uh, you know, that's well, interesting to me, but if if that's the case, then that's the case. They just don't have anything to investigate. Yeah, there's no jurisdiction there. And then on top of that, you know, like I how are you even going to investigate it, right? And so she's essentially asking for the impossible um, and uh, something that she's not going to get before she testifies. So, you know, uh, I guess we're all going to sit here on our thumbs uh, just waiting for something impossible to happen until after the midterms when uh, the Democrats hope that they will have a majority in, uh, you know, in, in government. So... Mm. This this is absolutely this absolutely smacks of a politically motivated. Um, maybe the allegation itself was not politically motive, motivated, but the timing of its disclosure to the public as as being extant um, that that's absolutely politically motivated. Um, so, like, you know, let's... why why else wouldn't they have questioned Kavanaugh during his hearing over I, this I, allegation? I totally agree, and I just. So there's a huge, it's a perfect connect connect point here with comments by Norm MacDonald, who, um, you know, people might think, wait, his, his name sounds familiar. He's an actor. And he said something to the effect that, you know, one of these days we're going to see someone get accused and they're going to put a gun to their head and, you know, shoot and, and commit suicide based on the fact that they can't disprove a negative. You can't say, it's like saying, when did you start, you know, eating puppies? Well, I've never eaten a yeah. puppy. Prove it. You know, you can't prove that. You, what are you supposed to do? You had, you didn't know you were going to be under suspicion of, of that, so you didn't provide any documentation of what your meals were or where they were sourced. You could just show your grocery receipts, but there's no way to prove it. And I think the comment that he made, to me, it was made out of utter frustration at watching people. If if someone's guilty, by all means, but a lot of the people who've lost their jobs, I'd say maybe more than ninety percent of them, the allegations were substantiated, but there was no criminal investigation. So substantiated allegations are worthy of an investigation, but they do not automatically rise to the level of a guilty conviction. You have to go through a court of law for that. A lot of people have lost their jobs without so much as a conviction. 
and he's expressing oh, a frustration. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and he he was sticking up for his friends there too, right? You have to you have to remember that. Um, he's very close with Roseanne Barr. He's very close with Louis C.K. Um, Louis C.K. Uh, got in hot water with the Me Too movement over asking women if he could do something, and then when they said yes, he did it, and when they said no, he did not. So essentially, he asked for consent. They can the ones, and and then when he got consent, he went ahead and did what he had asked to do. Mm. Right. So, I mean, that that's enough to destroy a man's career. does not rise to the level of even a criminal accusation. You might call it boorish or pervy behavior, um, for sure. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but, um, but absolutely does not in any way qualify as sexual assault. Um, and in fact, the, the women involved, uh, a couple of them said, you know, oh, yeah, we giggled through the whole thing because, you know, he was just, he just seemed pathetic um, through, through the entire thing. Um, and, and so essentially, this, this is what, what got him blacklisted, right? What got Roseanne blacklisted, um, got her show canceled, was essentially not knowing that a politician that she was commenting on was uh, part African-American. Mm. Yeah, I commented right? on that um, here on the show. So, it's ridiculous. So, and then making, making a comparison uh, in appearance between that politician and a, an actress in a movie from ages ago, and there is a resemblance there um, with the hair and the pointy chin and the, and the nose and everything else, right? Um, but unfortunately for Roseanne Barr, it, it appears that, uh, you know, this woman was half black and, and, uh, the, the, the actor that she was comparing her, her to was Helena Bonham Carter in Planet of the Apes, right? So, you know, it, it's like racially, racially horrible, right? Except for not if you think the woman is just some half Iranian, Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, right. Person, right? Like, so, well, and that same um, comparison to the Planet of the Apes has been made to many other people who are white. So this is what I, I hadn't realized, which is completely remiss on my part, because any insult that's been lobbed at one person just in time memoriam, it has been lobbed at other people. The Planet of the Apes oh, yeah. comparison you, you picture. George W. Bush caricaturized oh, as a monkey Oh, my all goodness. The time. All the time. And it, would, it wasn't just him. Other women, famous women have been compared. It depends on what kind of clothing they're wearing and what hairstyle they're wearing. And then someone will put the two pictures side by side and then you can find it. It's just like easily, easily found on any search engine. Uh, but I, I guess yeah. my question is, isn't it interesting that if you're just an impartial observer or maybe, a, you know, a Martian come down to the planet recently you might notice that some people are immune to the accusation. Like Keith Ellison happens to be the number two man at the DNC. He has a credible accusation that's been leveled against him by a prior girlfriend that's recent enough to warrant an actual criminal prosecution and investigation. She's providing evidence. She's tweeted out a doctor's report uh, outlining her injuries. She shared her family members have shared her text messages that were archived on her computer. And then there's the issue of the 911 calls. That's much more recent, much more uh, credible allegation against Keith Ellison. And we're not seeing any calls for investigations. The FBI has not been called. And no one on the left or in the media is interested in talking about that. Only Judge Kavanaugh's, you know, high school possibility of something. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's you know, essentially, and regardless of, of the truth 
or lack of truth of the allegation against Kavanaugh. One would expect that since since he turned 18 in the 35 years since then, um, you know, since he was no longer 17 years old, he may have grown up a bit. You know, so let's look at his record a little bit closer to the, uh, you know, um, maybe his record since he was an adult. Because if he had done that, if he had done that in Canada um, at age 17, um, and uh, and it had been reported to the police, and he had been convicted. Um, his entire record would have been expunged the day he turned eighteen. Hmm. His 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 identity would have been concealed from the public. We have a thing called the Youth Offenders Act, um, and it's there because we realize that people do stupid things when they're in their teen years that they aren't necessarily going to repeat throughout their lives, and we don't want to have. Somebody who did something dumb or ill-advised or even mean or, or you know, upsetting to people when they were 15, 16, 17 years old um, committed a crime to be carrying a criminal record for the rest of their life. Um, we would much rather wait and see until, you know, it, after they've served their time, had their record expunged when they're 21. How are they doing? Have they committed any more crimes? When they're 30, have they committed any more crimes? Have they done it again, ever? Right. And so, honestly, I, I would hope that the 36 years of a clean record that he's had since this alleged incident was alleged to have happened um, might weigh a little bit more. Well, I I kind of I kind of go by like when if you look at Harvey Weinstein, if you look at, uh, you know, the allegations against Bill Cosby, he was convicted. Um, you see a pattern where once yeah. the person gets away with something once. They feel they've gotten away with it. Um, they haven't been, you know, no one, no, the police haven't shown up. Then they reoffend. Kevin Spacey, same thing. After the first accuser came out, many other people came forward and it, it became obvious that there was a pattern of behavior, which is part of the reason why, you know, he, he lost his position. And same thing with Harvey Weinstein, although at least with Harvey Weinstein, we see criminal prosecution, which is to me the ultimate arbiter of what we're, what we're discussing. Um, right. We don't see that with with uh, Judge Kavanaugh. Not only did he not have any other record of this type of thing, he has a clean record in his marriage. He's, he's no extramarital affairs. Even his prior girlfriends that he dated have come forward and said they don't believe that this is something that he could have done. Now, there are people yeah. who are ultimately psychopaths who can um, convince, you know, large parts of their family and their everyone in their personal fear that they're a wonderful person and they go on to kill people and do all kinds of heinous things. But I don't think judge Kavanaugh has ever been accused of being a psychopath or anything in that nature. So we, we have so much of his record that's in the public eye. So much of his career has been spent working in the public eye that if there was anything, it would have surfaced long ago when he first began doing, uh, you know, work as a judge on different uh, court systems. And then of course, in the, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, it's amazing that he would be there for that. And nothing, no no interns accusing him, no one, no law clerks, no extramarital affairs, nothing. But he did this yeah. thing when he was 15 or when he was 17. How old he was teenager? Yeah, he was 17. She was, I think, 15, she said, or something like that. But, yeah. um, you know, like I said, even even if it even if it did happen, right, Um has it happened again in the last 36 years? Obviously not. Um, but frankly, I, I don't. I don't buy that it did happen. Um, if 
you know, if she's changing her story all over the top, all over the place, if she only disclosed it in couples counseling when her marriage was breaking down in 2012, um, and that was the very first time she ever told anybody, um, then, you know, honestly, uh, human memory is extremely malleable. Um, maybe she's thinking of somebody else. Um, Maybe she was drunk. She says she wasn't drunk at that party. Everyone else had only had one beer, apparently, at, at a party where these two guys, these two young men, were, were drunk out of their minds. Um, that's, that doesn't resemble any party that I was at where underage drinking was involved when I was a teenager. Um, usually everybody's going at it pretty heavy, right? So, so who even knows what happened? And, you know, or if anything happened. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, this, this allegation, and frankly, I'm getting so tired of having to say this to women, report it when it happens. Mm. Report it when it happens. Because you know what? 90% or more of, of the men who sexually assault women, they're recidivists. They will do it to somebody else. And that so means you're, you're protecting not, future you're, victims. You're not sparing anyone anything by not reporting it to police. All you're doing is let, letting him keep getting away with it, with all of his future victims. And so, I, I, I want to reiterate. no loyalty to justice or, or what's right or to principle, at least have a loyalty to his sisterhood and report it on behalf of all of his future victims. And I, I want to say <sighs> this, is, this is where the rubber meets the road. And I know in the past that, you know, there was a stigma associated with it, but there's just no excuse now. And the other thing I think should be patently obvious is that if there are any political motivations like this woman, Christine, uh, oh, good grief. I'm, the, Christine Ford. I'm has, too. Yeah, Christine Ford. She's got this. Christine Blasey Ford has this open history of advocating for Democrat politics. Right. So. And there's nothing wrong with that. She has every right to be a Democrat, to be an activist, et cetera. She has a open record of, you know, opposing Republican politics. Again, nothing wrong with that. But for her to expect Americans to believe that her partisanship plays no role in the, the timing of these allegations. And I've, I've heard tell and I agree that it's wrong that people are sending her death threats and they've had to leave their home. But in this political atmosphere, She's basically queuing up and asking for all of this by rolling the dice and playing her cards this way. It's terrible. Agreed. It's horrible behavior. And I, I just, we got to be wiser than this. Thank you so much, Karen, for joining the show today. Uh, a voice for men.com is where you can find out more. Talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks. All right. So we will be back with more Stacy on the right. And after these messages, keep it here. I just thank God for the Holy Ghost. If you will let him, he really will teach you all things. Have you ever made an excuse to someone why you were unable to do something or why you couldn't attend a certain event instead of just being honest and telling them you just were not interested? I think many of us have. Well, that's lying. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 17 says, an honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1 in one translation says, dishonesty in business disgusts the eternal it disgusts god but fair dealing delights him false witness utters lies be faithful and consistent 
with being honest with others. Stop with the excuses and be truthful. There is freedom when our integrity and character reflects our Savior, Jesus Christ. What seems little to us are big to Him. With our for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us more at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Yo, yo, what's up? Hey, hey what's nothing up? much, man. Just trying to listen to this last song for the music final. Yeah, I think I'm going to fail for the most part. I haven't even listened to it. Ugh, yeah, me neither. I've been too busy listening to The Word on the Street. The, the Word on the street. street? Wait, you guys haven't heard? No, I haven't heard, heard of it. Not, me. not that one. Well, check this out. There is only one true word, and that is the Word of God, which is what you will hear on Word on the Street, hosted by me, Victory McIntosh. Tune in as we discuss some of the latest hot topics and life issues and filter them all through the Holy Word of God. It is possible to live righteous before the Lord and enjoy doing it. Tune in Saturday mornings at 9 Central Time. You don't want to miss it. Donald Trump's America. With President Trump imposing new tariffs on $200 billion in Chinese goods, China has promised to retaliate with tariffs of their own on U.S. products. The president at a press conference defended his decision. We've been ripped off by everybody. And I want to protect the American worker, the American farmer, the ranchers, the companies. The president said he will continue with his tariffs policy, even though the U.S. trade deficit is not narrowing. But when you have $375 billion in trade deficits and then many billions of dollars in other liabilities of all different types, you have to do something about it. When the new tariffs against Beijing take effect on Monday, over half of all Chinese goods coming into the U.S. will be subject to duties. The U.S. has sought to use tariffs to pressure Beijing to change some of its trade practices. At the White House, John Decker, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Terribly, and I think this this new letter that's come up with Feinstein is just too little, too late. So you should feel, be dismissed. So you know, people should be heard. Uh, get all of that, but do you think it's politics is intertwined with all no of this? No doubt, hundred percent. Yeah, it's all about the politics. Ken, you're, uh, Ken, I see you. I see you uh, nodding your head. A Vietnam veteran. Again, thank you for your service. Uh, your, your your thoughts on the Kavanaugh conference? I believe that, like Mike was saying. You know, what happened years ago, who cares now? It's what is he going to do now? And our president has put him up there number one. So do you think this is more about the president? I think, yeah. Yep, everybody wants to make him look like the bad guy, and he's just not the bad guy that he's made out to be. You saw the interview with Hillary Clinton last night on another network. Your reaction? My reaction is she's full of baloney. <laughs> I can't think of any other word to put it. She lost the boat and she's not happy, so she's going to bash this man every which way. The she resistance can. continues. Yes, for she's sure. Not going to stop. Donna, yeah, you, uh, you, we've been talking all morning long. Yes, You're, we have. Uh, you work here. Appreciate your wonderful service. Uh, we talked about the Kavanaugh hearings and the treatment of him and the situation. Your yes. take on it? Um, my take and my opinion. I believe that it's a, a delayed. Uh, tech strategy just to get to the midterms. Um, it's a uh, stall tactic to win the balance of power. 
Um, <sighs> excellent commentary there. This is a group of individuals who are at a diner, and this Fox News host is asking them questions about the whole Kavanaugh process and what they think. And this is kind of man-on-the-street type um, interviews, and I think it's it's fantastic that people are weighing in and they get a chance to share, um, you know, what what what's going on with them. So I want to go back and listen to the president weighing in on the Kavanaugh uh, issue. I think he had some pretty interesting things to say, and he's been really even keeled about it, which is interesting. And it might be because of his own history with these kinds of allegations. And it might also be because he kind of sees the handwriting on the wall, which is there's no there there. And uh, so it is a formality to have the Senate Judiciary Committee vote before have the committee vote a nomination out before the, the entire Senate body votes. I think the only thing that's holding this up is the two female rhino Republicans who oftentimes hold up nominations based on the fact that they're women. And, you know, so it's like this. I can't believe we've gotten so far into worshiping the attributes of human beings instead of worshiping the creator. It's like, oh. You're a woman. Well, you have special comments to be made here. How about if you just use your analytical prowess and your your common sense? And what do the rules say? What does the law say? What is the right and moral upright thing to do here instead of, well, I'm a woman and I know better than any man about abortion, even though we all know that murder is murder. Wouldn't it be interesting if we said only men can serve on juries where a murder has occurred because murder is something that men do more often than women. And so since men are the primary people who commit murder, they're the only ones who should ever serve on juries to decide if someone else committed murder. Women would never stand for that. But we allow that same type of thought process on the issue of abortion. And now they want to try to have that same type of thought process on the issue of sexual harassment or sexual assault. Well, well, men are the, primarily the ones who do sex, sexual assault, so they can't, they can't possibly have anything good to say or any – they can't possibly be moral and upright about it. Like a man can't be opposed to sexual assault. I don't know any men who are in favor of it, and I, I would wager you neither do you. So here's the president, and, and by the way, this is the last segment of the first hour of the show, of, of the program. Um, please do call in. You can weigh in on this subject or anything we've talked about so far this hour, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Let's listen to number five. Short time ago, while I was meeting with the president of Poland in the Oval Office, the president weighed in on all of this again, voicing support for Judge Kavanaugh and uh, really scolding the Democrats for sitting on this for weeks, almost a couple of months before dropping it at the 11th hour. Listen here. Frankly, a terrible thing that this information wasn't given to us a long time ago, months ago, when they got it. They could have done that instead of waiting till everything was finished and then all of a sudden spring it. But that's what the Democrats do. That's what they do. It's obstruction. It's resist. We feel that we want to go through this process and we want to give everybody a chance to say what they have to say. Now, some people don't want there to be a hearing on Monday at all looking into this. And a lot of Democrats are saying, well, this should be turned over to the FBI for a full investigation and that that investigation should be completed before this goes back to the Senate. The president did not think that was a good idea. Listen here. I don't think the FBI really should be involved because they don't want to be involved. If they wanted to be, I would certainly uh, do that. But as you know, they say this is not really their thing. But I think politically speaking, uh, the senators will do a very good job. 
According to Senator Grassley, the FBI investigation is closed. They will not be investigating anything else. But, of course, Dana, as all things in Washington happen, that could potentially change. So, so where we are now, there is a hearing that's scheduled for Monday. Uh, we know that Brett Kavanaugh is eager to testify. We do not know if Ms. Ford is going to be there. Senator Grassley said this morning on the Hugh Hewitt radio show that he and his people have reached out several times mm -hmm. to Christine Ford and her representatives, and they have yet to hear back as to whether or not she might be there. A lot still undecided here. Mm. So now here's where, again, we have to be very, very prudent in our thinking. And that is that we don't want to be those individuals who out of hand dismiss every single person who says this happened to me. I'm a victim, et cetera, et cetera. But credibility is paramount. And when someone comes forward and they say this happened to me 30 years ago, that's going to be much more suspected. You know, people aren't going to be as open to listening as someone who says this happened to me recently and I have some proof and I'm going to the police. And so if, if someone says, well, Stacey, you're putting parameters on what victims can and can't do, that's, that, that exists for every person who has something that if you say you were robbed, you have to have some proof that things were taken from you. You have to have you called 911 so the police can come out and document what has happened. This is no different for victims of sexual assault. And just because someone puts a hashtag in, in front of a couple of words doesn't take away the right of other Americans to defend themselves and to be innocent until proven guilty. Everyone should be able to agree with that. Let's go to the phones. We've got Jacob in Alabama. Thanks for calling into the show, Jacob. What's your comment? Oh, okay. How you doing, sister? Good, 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 good. You're, you're doing very, I mean, you're doing exceedingly well. Um, one of the things that I, I kind of am um, thinking about is that we have to um, not just pray for um, Judge Kavanaugh to take the high road and, you know, um, if, if they do have to go head-to-head -head on Monday, but also that we have to pray that he does God's whole will when he gets into office. Mm. That's one of the things, because we can't just, you know, well, if he doesn't do it, we, we're surprised and we're discouraged. That pray God's whole, we do God's whole will um, in order to turn this country around. And I got one more comment. Um, I think we do President Trump a disservice because um, when we say, well, why is he tweeting so much? He knew from the very beginning what he was up against. He was up against uh, extreme evil in the uh, media. So he had to tweet, and he, he, he should not stop tweeting because he was not going to get a fair shake ever in the media because of the way it is. So I, I'm, I thank you so much. I, I, don't, I don't actually have a problem with President Trump tweeting. I think I, my issue is that sometimes he just he gets outside of, like, he's got all this fantastic communicating ability, and it just goes a little too far. I, I think that's what happens. And I, I'm... You know, to me, it's not the major deal. Like the tweeting is the additional side dish. Have you ever been to a restaurant where uh, the me the plate that you order, like let's say you order the barramundi or the, the some kind of fish, and you get the fish, and it's one of those restaurants where the servings are a little smaller. It's a little bit more expensive. It's not expensive full on, but it's a little you know it's not Applebee's. It's a, it's another restaurant. So you get you get there and you can get 
your main dish, which you might choose fish, and then you have a side that comes with it. And maybe the side that comes with it is, you know, for me, you guys all know I hate green beans. Okay. I hate them with the hate that has a passion that is at the level of a thousand of our sons raining down on green beans. I hate them. I hate them. I know people love them and people love to make green bean casserole. And you know what? I'm happy for you, but I cannot stand green beans. And so if a meal that I want comes with it, I will replace the green beans with something else. But sometimes when you replace it, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll bring you like the other thing that you replaced it with will come on a separate dish instead of coming where the green beans were on the plate. They don't put the green beans on, but they put that on another plate. And so if they don't remember to bring it and you don't remember that you ordered it, you can almost forget because there may be a little like a little mound of mashed potatoes or something else on your plate. You might forget that it's there. And I have kind of moved the president's tweets into that kind of a zone. The main event for me is the legislation, uh, the rolling back of the regulations, the, the management of our biggest societal problems that are facing us. And I think a lot of times when people are talking about the tweets, the online social media, his demeanor, his refusal to bow down to people who insult him, what they're really doing is distracting away from huge issues that we have, which are, you know, they keep passing these huge spending bills that are not conservative because they're, they don't trim spending. They don't, uh, these, these bills are not what I would consider to be Tea Party friendly bills. And that's a problem. And then we also have the issue of, um, you know, we have the southern border, which is it is a travesty waiting to happen. It's another terror attack. It's another it's 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 all these kidnappings and rapes and 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 assaults and everything that's going on. It's a source of problem for Americans and thousands of Americans are sitting up missing their kids, you know, and I feel it really strongly for them. I have no way of knowing how they feel. I just know I'm in college mom mode. And so I'm so completely, I'm, I'm, I'm gobsmacked by how difficult it is to have one child living somewhere else. And I'm happy that she's at college. I'm happy that she's living somewhere else, you know, because obviously the goal was to prepare her to go out and go to college, but it's still, I'm reeling. And so if I'm having this much trouble with my child, just being a a couple of hours away, I cannot fathom the utter despair that these parents are going through. These people are Americans. They're warm, breathing human beings. They're alive. And their children have been taken from them by illegal immigrant crime. And I just can't, I can't really express how much, I, I just have so much sympathy for them. And so I think in the, in the big scheme of things, if we could just for one second stop, just, you know, it takes, it takes a minute to come out of whatever mode you're in. If you're, if you're in, the, in the minivan right now with your kids and you're driving, picking kids up, going to the grocery store, trying to get your stuff done before 3.30, whatever the case may be, you might be at work. You might be listening to this on the podcast later on tonight. You're thinking, you know, I, don't, I really don't know how that feels. And, and it, it would take you a few minutes to unplug from your current existence to get to that moment where you really realize how gut-wrenching it is for these people to get up every day. And it's not, let me drive two hours to visit my child or let me wait until Christmas or Thanksgiving to see my child. It's, I've got to wait until the other side of eternity to see my child. And it didn't have to be that way because we could just seal the border. 
And so every time someone brings up the tweets, just take that moment to say to them, I, we have bigger fish to fry. We have a country to run. And he could honestly just be tweeting the days of the week and the left would still be losing their mind. So is it really about what he's tweeting? I had said about a year ago that I wish the president would use his Twitter feed for policy accomplishments, for tweeting out information about policy. He's doing that now. He's actually doing that. And I'm not taking credit. I don't, I don't pretend that he listens to this program. But I have to say, any improvement that someone makes, acknowledge it and then move on. Who cares what he's tweeting when we have parents getting up every day, going through their, their day without their kids? I mean, honestly, those two things aren't even in the same universe. So I agree with the caller that we, you know, he, he first of all, he has to use the, the medium of, of online social media to reach people because the, the, the mainstream media doesn't give him a fair hearing. They don't. And he knows it. And rather than just sit back, you know, and, and complain about it, he's using what he has available to him. And I think the online social media and also the rallies, um, they're amazing at him speaking. They're, that's the way he can speak to different groups. He's coming here to Missouri on Friday night. He's going to be in Springfield. And I sure wish I could be there. Um, but I am speaking at the Gun Rights Policy Conference. And so I'm going to be there. Um, and, and I know people, Missourians are going to be at that rally big time and they're going to have a great time. It's going to be wonderful. Um, so yeah, I, that, that's the way I see it. Now, when we return, well, I want you guys to ponder on those things and have a great evening. Um, I think we'll, we'll cover here. Yeah. We're just at the end of at the end of the show. Stacy on the right.com American family radio. You can find it at AFR.net. You can also. Click over to urbanfamilytalk.com and take the poll. What are you waiting for? Click those buttons. God bless. Be back with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.